Welcome to the VoiceOver Insider Podcast, where we discuss all things to help you build your voiceover momentum. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Gary McFadden, the co-host of the podcast, along with Julie Williams. Today's guest is familiar to many of our podcast listeners. It's George Whittem, often referred to as the VO Tech to the Stars. Today, George is back with something a little different. He's been involved with the development of a pretty exciting new audio interface that is being released by Centrance called the Passport VO. George, welcome back to the VoiceOver Insider podcast. Thanks for having me back again, and uh, thanks for being excited about it. I don't think anybody's more excited than me, but uh, I'm glad to hear anybody else has any excitement about this. Well, I listened to that first piece you guys did on the Pro Audio Suite podcast, which we'll get to in a minute, and I signed up right away, so I'm waiting for one. Now, this new interface, the Passport VO, looks like it might be a little smaller than a Focusrite Scarlett Solo, an interface box many are familiar with. Is that about right? Yeah, I would say it's uh it's definitely smaller, but instead of all the knobs being on the front edge like a Scarlet Solo, they're all on the top face where they're much easier to see. But it's about yeah, it's definitely smaller than that. And it sounds like it can do just about everything but supply lights and heat in the studio. <laughs> I heard you mention in a recent interview that it could replace four pieces of equipment that are found in many studios, maybe more. Could you give me a quick outline of some of the Passport VO capabilities? Yeah, it's um, it's and it's not that there aren't products that can do these things. It's that it's the way that this product does them in such an elegant and efficient way that I think is unique about it. So, you know, it, but the idea here is that we wanted a single unit that would replace what some folks have cobbled together in their studios at this point to achieve uh, a very simple to use system. So. Sure. You know, the irony is sometimes more gear makes it simpler to operate, but more gear makes it more complicated to troubleshoot, right? Mm -hmm. And on the other side, you can have um, a simple studio that cripples you because you can't do certain things. So this is supposed to like solve all those problems by giving you like things that people that do a lot of real-time sessions, the people that do live directed production or interviews or anything where there's a person listening or directing you on the other end are going to very much appreciate what this thing can do. So one of the key things that a lot of folks have added back into their studios or added to their studios because they didn't have them is a really properly working uh, mute switch. Um, Being able to cut a mic at any time, no matter what software you're being used, it's being used that day, whether it's Source Connect or Zoom or CleanFeed or or Google Meet, uh, having one single solitary mute switch, which is literally a button on the top of the unit, Mm -hmm. that completely cuts the microphone from any and all sources is a very important thing. And um, this has it, right? And so you don't have to buy any other mute switches. And in fact, what's crazy is some people even have two mute switches because they have two mic preamps. So they have to have one mute for each preamp. So this can eliminate two because it also switches mics. So it has a mute switch and it has a switcher. Okay. And the switcher allows you to choose between mic source one and mic source two. And each of those is on their own preamp with phantom power and high pass filter. So you can set those settings exactly where you want them, gain and everything. And then when you switch mics, it's a seamless switch. The levels can be matched perfectly. So for those of you, many that do a lot of work and do a lot of variety, 
will have two mics. They'll have a shotgun mic maybe, and they'll have a large diaphragm condenser. Now with a single press of a button, you can choose which of those two mics you're using. And at a glance on the unit, there's little light indicators that make it very obvious which microphone is actually on. So yeah, those are simple things, but nobody else is doing that. And then there's a bunch of other deeper levels of things, but the other major innovation in this thing is that it has two USB audio uh, buses. And what that means is one is for recording and one is for communication. So the two are separated from each other in your computer, but inside the device, the two are, are integrated together and in such a smart way that you never have to worry about them interfering with each other. But let's say you want to play back a take. When you hit play, they'll hear the playback. If you want it to happen. If you don't, you can turn it off. But the default would be for them to hear your playback. You just don't have to think about enabling anything. It just works. Okay, so that's what would be called a mix minus? Well, yeah, we throw a lot of different terms around. We talk about mix minuses and loop backs and all this different stuff. Um, playbacks. But essentially, it creates a mix minus, which means that the listener on, let's just say, Zoom, um, never would have to worry about hearing themselves echoing back to themselves. Nobody wants to hear themselves coming back to themselves. So there's a mix minus created to avoid that for them. Um, there's also a mix minus created for you so that your own microphone will never feed back through your monitor speakers. So that's something that almost nobody does either. So the microphone on your desk or in your booth will not come bellowing out of the speakers, creating a PA system. So that's another mix minus that exists in the unit. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the idea here is the mixes are handled for you. You don't have to understand aux sends, pre and post fader, cue this, <laughs> fold back that. The unit, it just does it. It's in design. Now, the technical specs and capabilities of the Passport VO are fully described on the Centrance website, which is at centrance.com slash Passport VO. What I wanted to cover with you today, George, is just how this interface came to be. You've been thinking about an interface like this for VO talent for quite a while, haven't you? Yeah, I've started consulting voice actors with home studio gear in the first decade of 2000, so 2005, six, And um, probably by about 2008 or nine, I started realizing why isn't any of this equipment solving a lot of little problems that add up to a big hill of beans for a lot of people and, you know, and things that we've already discussed and other things. And so I just started asking around the community. And at one point in my uh, memory, I created a forum or a, um, I created like a, a survey and got it out and circulated it. Now I have tried my darndest to find that survey. I don't know where I posted it. It was probably before I moved all my email at that time to Gmail from another domain. So that all, all that email is lost. I can't find any trace in my emails that go back to 2009. But going back that far, I, I was definitely looking for how could we do this? Um, who could build something like this? And what features are people looking for in a unit like this? So it's been a dream of mine for a really long time. I think this new interface may be unique in that it's one of the first voiceover products ever designed by what I would call groupthink or a hive mind. In the very name of this new interface, Passport VO, the PAS refers to Pro Audio Suite. That's a group of, what, four tech people who get together to cover technical topics related to voiceover? 
Yeah, it's well, the, the key thing here is that, is that they're really not all tech people. Um, um, they all have an interest in tech and different degrees of expertise in tech. But what makes this, this group of four, um, I think, really great for not only hosting a show, but also helping to talk, you know, group mind design or hive mind design a product is that, um, you know, one of the folks on the show is really number one and first and foremost a voice actor. So this is his world is voice acting. Now he happens to like gear and he loves having great gear, but he doesn't understand technical stuff about how the gear works and how to make it work. He hires people like me to help him, right? So we have the perspective of, a, of an actor. Then we have the perspective of producers. We have two show, two people on the show who are producers. Um, one of them actually produces the show. And so he's coming at it from the production side. Um, or the engineer side. And then we also have Robert Marshall, um, who is a producer, engineer, studio owner, and co-founder of Source Elements and the creators of Source Connect. So he had, he brings a whole lot of other very high-level tech mind to the table. Then there's me, who's kind of like the, the, the Libra scales of the whole operation, where I'm trying to find a way to balance between the technical requests of what Robert would like to see in a product like this and what Andrew really needs as an actor in a product like this and find that perfect inter intersection, then communicate what we've come together as a group and bring that to the manufacturer, Michael Goodman, which he then has to tell us, sorry, I can't do that. Or I don't know why you want to do that. Or, <laughs> and then I have to then communicate with him uh, you know, and justify some of the elements of the design. It, it was a lot of round and round and back and forth between the, really the five of us to, to get to the design that you're, you're seeing. Yeah. So maybe three months ago, I heard on the Pro Audio Suite podcast, a discussion, really just a shopping list of features of what an interface designed for voiceover talent might look like. And then a week or two ago, I see pictures of the real deal. Now, I'm sure that it wasn't quite that easy, and you've just said that you had to go back and forth between the individuals involved. What's the behind-the-scenes story here? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I gave you a teaser, but it's it it required a tremendous amount of um, collaborative discussion, um, many email threads, um, and then after a while, the email threads became hard to follow and kind of, it was difficult to get a design because we're not sitting in a room together. We don't have a whiteboard and we don't have, um, you know, paper and pen and we just have to do it all digitally. So it's like, okay, what I have to do now is I have to create a schematic or a signal flow diagram that everybody can see. And then I can easily modify and, and keep changing and tweaking until it does everything we want it to do. And it, it's something that Michael can actually build. And so then I found a way to do that. I'd never made one of those before. And thankfully I found a way to do that through a, a, an extension that connects to Google, uh, Google docs. So then I created that flow diagram and that helped tremendously because now all of us could look at it, whether we understood the whole thing or not, but for sure we could understand it well enough to know what the thing will and won't do. And then Michael could look at the design and say, yeah, well that would have to be here. And this, won't work because X or this part we can do, but it'll cost a lot more. <laughs> so it was a, it was a, you know, it took a lot of time um, of collaboration, but what was amazing was how quickly Michael could get a 
a, a render of it, you know, an artist's rendition that looks photorealistic. And, and so it felt real very, very quickly because I think the first day I mentioned it to him that night, he sent me a render. He was like, you mean something like this? <laughs> I was like, I was blown away with how quickly he could come up with something. So once we had that very, very first render, then it started to feel real. And then I, we really started to get to work on, well, what features does it really need? And what would we really like to see in it? And we, we had a couple surprises pop up in those discussions. George, did you at some point go to the Centrance factory to work out the details? No, this has been completely done in a virtual way. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, the factory is the, 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 basically where these things are made and assembled and shipped, um, is in Chicago. Now, the only person that could do that easily would be Robert. And he literally lives in the Chicago area. So at some point, um, when there's a physical unit to look at or test, I'm sure Robert will be the first ones with his hands on one. Um, when the, uh, the first, um, prototype unit is made. So what really happens is the circuit boards are, are populated. That's the technical term. The circuit boards are populated in China where the, there's a factory, uh, fabricator where that, uh, Michael will, will send to the design. They have all the, the parts, the componentry and everything that needs to go on that board and the robots that do the soldering and they make the circuit boards. They send them to, to uh, Michael based on his design. Um, and then he puts them into the chassis with his team in Chicago, and then we will physically test the unit to make sure it does every single thing we said it would do and sound as good as we need it to sound. And when we have all signed off on those on those prototype units, he will uh, turn up, open the valve, so to speak, and then more of those boards will come. Then he'll get a whole shipment of them and be able to start making them in quantity. But to me, it blows me away that we can go from an idea on a show to potentially, with everybody's support, a physical, working, real product in about seven months, six to seven months. Right. It's mind-blowing. It really, right. It's really cool. Now, this is, in a way, a crowdfunded project. Centrance hasn't built up a bunch of units for sale, right? 100 units are being pre-sold, and once those orders are in place, a limited run of 100 units will be produced and sent to the purchasers. Why did you decide to go with a limited run of units? That's just the way Mike operates. Um, Michael, the reason Centrance is still in business when it's such a small boutique company, one of the reasons is Michael is extremely smart about, um, he's a CFO. He's a, he's a C CFO, a CTO, and a CEO all wrapped in one. And he understands that if you overproduce a product and you can't sell that because you have other product in the line coming, um, that can put a company out of business. So that's why, that's why certain products on his website, um, are, will say pre-order. Like for example, right now, uh, as of the time of this recording, if you want to buy a Micport Pro 3, that's the most current, uh, edition of the Micport Pro, it will say pre-order because right now he's collecting another batch of orders and he will then be ordering another batch of those units. Now that's not how it always works, but once he has a hundred units in the warehouse, then it'll count down and start showing you how many remain in, in stock. But, um, in a pre-order situation like we are, it, the product doesn't exist because we are doing a crowdfunded type program. And, um, he, you know, uh, to be honest, you know, he said, I, I don't know if there's a demand for a product that you're describing 
And I don't know if people are willing to pay what it's going to cost. And you just are going to have to prove it to me. And so this is how, this is why, and this is how it's happening. It's, it's, we are literally having to put our money where our mouth is and get the backing of our community to say, yeah, we want this thing to actually exist. And that's how it's going, that's how it's working. The Passport VO isn't an inexpensive interface, nor should it be, given that it's replacing four common pieces of studio equipment. Maybe more than that once you start counting things like mic cutoff switches, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I talked about the mute switch and, this, and, the, and the microphone switchers. There's one that's made by a company called uh, Radial. It's called the Gold Digger. It's a $350 mic switcher, you know, that does one job. And then some people might have a mixer, and then they might even have two audio interfaces, one dedicated for the recording side and another inter audio interface dedicated for the communication side. Um, and all that stuff's tied together, you know, so that's four or five pieces of gear, cables, everything. When you look at it that way and you start realizing what it does replace, the price does starts to come into focus and you go, okay, okay, I'm starting to see the value here. But yeah, if, you, if you're used to paying $180 for a Scarlet, it's going to feel a little bit expensive to you. We understand that. On the other hand, you've added capabilities such as loop back and mix minus for doing things like we're doing right now in this interview recording. Well, yeah, it's, I think it's going to, my, my goal is also to, is to, is to save a lot of headache for the poor souls who really insist on being on windows. Windows audio drivers are a hot mess. They are a nightmare. They, the system will run at least three different drivers at any one time. There's a lot of confusion of which ones of those should be used. There's a tremendous amount of trial and error involved. In fact, I just had a client the other day. We spent a half hour troubleshooting and we were all finished. The problem wasn't fixed. Now I'm sending them to somebody else who's a higher level Windows geek than I am. And it's frustrating. But one of the key things that happens on Windows systems is when you launch your Adobe Audition or your recording app, it immediately uh, initializes the ASIO driver system which then pulls or talks to every piece of audio hardware in that computer. And when that happens, it steals the audio hardware away from other things like Zoom. So it's a constant struggle for Windows users um, to get things to work in concert. So this will solve that because you're going to have one audio device that shows up in your system for recording. It might be called Passport VO Record or REC. But then you'll have another audio interface device in the system that will show up as Passport VO Com. And so you'll just choose which of those two devices you want to use for the, for the, the software you're using. And the, they should not be able to step on each other because to the Windows computer, they are physically two different devices with two different sets of drivers. So that's the goal. It's really going to make Windows users' lives easier, we feel. I'm a Mac guy myself, and have been for years, Yeah. but I know that a constant topic on the various online forums is the problems people encounter with Windows drivers yeah. and hooking up their audio equipment. Yeah, it's a multi-layer like, problem-solving device, and I think even Windows, pe Windows people will really love that. Even Mac people will like that they have separate loops for recording and playback, and they're going to really enjoy the way they interact so so nicely. But I mean, again, the, the features go on, check it out on the website. <laughs> yeah, we, we encourage you to go to the website and it's beautifully done, by the way. Thank you. So the 100 units are selling at $699. And as I understand it, there are only about 20 units available in this limited run. 
Yeah, I mean, as of the moment we recorded this, there I think there was 25 left. Um, so our goal is to get them sold up to hit that 100 uh, unit um, sell by, I think, the second week of May. Um, as, of, as of this recording, I didn't have a, a specific date from Michael announced yet. But the reason there's, there's sort of a closing of the door is because Michael is, again, a small operation, and he's going to be going off to Europe to several conferences, and he can't run a campaign and handle all this while he's at a conference. So he had to have a, he had to have a time limit eventually. So yeah, it's a hundred units. Um, it's a limited run. We're going to guarantee that this thing does what we said it does. And if it doesn't, you absolutely will get your money back. This is not Indiegogo or Kickstarter where that money is essentially a donation to a company or a founder. I mean, that's how those things work. You know, when you, when you send the money into those Kickstarter campaigns and I've done several, um, or I've participated in several, it's, you're donating money. You really are not here. This, this money is going to the company to, to seed and start a product. If that product isn't going to happen, it, the money's going to come back. It's, and, and even once the product does ship, if you're still not, if you're like, wow, this after all, isn't really what I thought it was going to be. You can actually return it like a real piece of retail equipment. It's not like you're stuck with it. So yeah, it's it's not a scary thing. It's just it is coming up with that money up front is a little is a little it, that could be a little bit much for some, but it's it's you're not uh, you're not donating money. Don't worry about that. You know, you mentioned Kickstarter about eight years ago. There was an audio product that was crowdfunded. It was led by uh, Neil Young. Uh, it was a high definition MP3 player called the Pono. Yeah, and it familiar. ran into problems when Apple purchased the company and then. Uh, and then shelved it. Um, but the reason I bring it up is that in the initial sales, you could get a Pono signed by Neil Young or by Tom Petty or by other famous musicians. Can we look forward to the George Whittem signed Passport VO or the Robo signature model or units signed by the other guys on Pro Audio Suite? <laughs> Well, I mean, it wouldn't be that impossible. It would be a logistical uh, challenge, which would add some shipping costs because we'd have to ship them from Chicago to me, and then I'd have to do that, and then we'd have to ship them somewhere else for fulfillment. And I'm not sure if we're going to do that. It would be fun. I would maybe you could just sign them at the next VO conference. Exactly. When I see you, I'd be happy to sign it. Uh, you know, if somebody has all four signatures, then you 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 must win a prize because two of the team are in in Australia. So it's going to be difficult to get all four signatures, but, uh, yeah, it's a, that's a, it is a fun idea to think of that, that that could happen. Um, and you never know, maybe at the right voiceover conference that that might actually happen. But I, 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 I think of products like Pono player, or Pono player, whenever I think about what it's like to design and build a product and be passionate about a product like Neil Young was about that. Um, but I'm not worried that Centrance is going to do something like that. Um, because there's such a... Oh, no, no. I didn't bring the Pono up for that reason. I just thought the Pro Audio Suite signatures would be a nice touch. No, no, I know. I just They're just such a small, passionate company that doesn't really... I mean, but the guy clearly is passionate about creating great, unique, boutique products that solve problems. I really believe in that passion. And he's had a track record. We've been loving his Micboard Pro since that little cigar-shaped interface came out like 12, 13 years ago. And, um, so uh, that's, that's good enough for me. I, I trust that that product, um, is going to come out and be main. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be built to last and you're not going to feel like you need to buy the next one a year later or even 
or even five years later, because it's a, we feel it's broadcast built, build quality, and it's going to last. Well, George, it's pretty exciting to see a new interface product designed specifically for voice talent, and I can't wait to get my hands on one. And yeah, I've already ponied up for a unit. Well, I think I was number well, 25. Just don't tell my partner. <laughs> she still doesn't understand why I just had to have a Sennheiser 415 when it came up on eBay. <laughs> yeah. No, that stuff's tough to justify to some folks. So yeah, we understand. George, thanks for coming on the VoiceOver Insider podcast and telling us about the new Passport VO. Oh, thanks for your time, Gary. Bye-bye. And for anyone interested in checking out the capabilities of the new interface and maybe adding one to your own studio, check the Centrance website at Centrance, that's C-E-N-T-R-A-N-C-E dot com slash Passport VO. That's one S in passport, not like the little booklet that lets you travel between countries. And we'll see you soon on another VoiceOver Insider podcast. We hope you found that information helpful and enjoyable. If you would like to book a free strategy session with Julie Williams to talk about your voiceover career, just email julie at voice-overs.com and she'll get you on the schedule. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll catch you soon on another episode of the VoiceOver Insider Podcast.